tithes and donations that help support this ministry and other ministries. So we thank you. Um, for those online, we're here every Sunday at 10 a.m. So tune in every Sunday at 10 a.m. Freedom Church PB stands for palmbeach.org. And every Thursday night at 7.15, 7.15 on Thursday night. If you're local, you know, you can stop by 2810 High Paluxo Road, Lantana, Florida, half a quarter mile west of I-95 on the north side. And for men, we have a, a men's Bible study that meets meets here on Saturday morning at 9 a.m. We even have a, a one of the local pastors from this area that attends that meeting. So um, we're, we'll be glad to have you. It's not just for for Freedom Church, it's for the Church of Christ. And that's all of us who believe that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. The one who came and died and is buried and was buried and is risen the third day according to the Scripture. So stop stop by at one of those times, 10 a.m. on Sunday, 7.15 on Thursday, and Saturday at 9 a.m. for the men's Bible study. So um, let's see. I want to... Thank Matt for, for coming up here today. You know, this I don't know if he's going to know. He's going to be preaching next week. Just so you know that, we're going to have a mission Sunday. So um, we believe in missions around here, and we don't believe cutting off support for missionaries just because there's uh, baloney going around, fear going around in the church. And uh, we, we need you to, everybody to step up and continue to give to support the ministries of Christ. All you're doing is slowing down the coming coming of Christ Jesus by holding back your finances so that the missionaries can get out there and do what they have to do, and you can get out there and do what you have to do to win people over to Christ. So uh, you've got to have your tithes, offerings, and gifts coming into the Christian church because the faster they come in, I believe the faster Jesus will come back because you're going to be financing more missionaries, and missionaries will get out there, and evangelists will get out there and preach the gospel and hit that last one, that last Gentile. And then the times of the Gentiles will come in. And then here we are. Maybe that trumpet's going to sound that very day. So we just can't wait for that. So we look forward to the future. So next Sunday, bring a friend with you. Bring two friends. Tell your friends to tune in. We're going to have a mission Sunday to help Matt is headed away for six months to Brazil to teach English in, the, in a missionary school down there to uh, the missionaries going out. And um, he'll be gone for at least six months, maybe as much as two years if he gets his visa. So um, so we, uh, we want to support him next week. He's going to be preaching, and he's going to tell you about what he's going to be doing. And, of course, he's going to preach the, the gospel of Christ here too. Um, so Sunday, June 20, January, I'm sorry, June already, January 23rd, right here, 10 a.m., right here at 10 a.m. So I think that's about it for the announcements. So get your Bibles out. We'll be in Matthew chapter 8, Matthew chapter 8. I'm just going to read, let's see, to start off. I'm going to review this whole chapter because with the holidays, we lost some, you know, we lost uh, some Sundays to to uh, the holidays, preaching Christmas messages and stuff like that. We'll point to Jesus Christ. So I'm going to review, but we're going to be in the last part of this uh, passage. We're going to start at verse 28 
And I'm going to read to 34, the end of the chapter. We're not going to read the whole chapter, but I am going to review it because it's been a while. And you need to see in this one chapter, eight, there are six, at least six miracles that are explained in detail. There are more miracles that, that are, are talked about but not explained. If we went into chapter 8, we're going to see another five at least of miracles that Jesus did, all to tell you one thing, that he is displaying his power and authority over various things. And I'm going to review some of them as we go. And this, this uh, revelation of displaying his power and authority, authority should get people's attention that they might know who he is. You need to know who Jesus is. So I'm going to read verse 28 through 34. I named this message, Do You Know Jesus? Do You Know Jesus? Verse 28, Matthew chapter 8. I'm reading from the New American Standard. And when he had come to the other side into the country of the Gadarenes, two men who were demon-possessed met him, and they were coming out of the tombs. They were so exceedingly violent that nobody could pass by the road. And behold, they cried out, saying, What do we have to do with you, Son of God? Have you come here to torment us before the time? Now there was a distance from a herd, a herd of swine feeding, and the demons began to entreat him, saying, If you are going to cast us out, send us into the herd of swine. And he said to them, Be gone. And they came out and went into the swine, and behold, the whole herd rushed down the steep bank into the sea and perished in the waters. And the herdsmen ran away and went to the city, and reported everything, including the incident of the demoniacs. And behold, the whole city came out to meet Jesus. When he, they saw him, they entreated him to depart from their region. Wow. Interesting thing they do at the end. Kind of simulates the world today. But we just so happen to be on this passage, you know, that has, has we've been teaching, I said in Matthew chapter 8, this is the, this is the fifth week, the sixth week, I'm sorry, it's the sixth week that we've been in this, in this chapter. So we've been really tearing it apart. I want to review a little bit because of the holidays and a couple of broken up messages that pointed to, you know, Christmas and even Thanksgiving. Verses 1 through 4 of Matthew chapter 8, we see that Jesus heals a man full of leprosy. Full of leprosy. Because Luke tells us that. Luke doesn't say he just had leprosy on his hand or his eye or his face. Luke, Dr. Luke, I might say, says he had leprosy all through him. He was, he was full of leprosy. Jesus displays his power and authority because he heals this leper. He even touches him. And they can picture the crowd going by, oh, you touched the leper. Stay away from me. He IDs himself as Jehovah Rapha. That's what's happening here. Jesus is IDing, IDing himself as Jehovah Rapha, our healer, which you can find in Exodus chapter 15, verse 26. He is our healer. 
So there are people out there that are sick, and they can be healed. You have to have faith, and you have to have other things, too. You can't be treating your wife like a pile of dog dirt. You have to have other things going on. You have to have compassion. Jesus had compassion when he healed people. So he's IDing himself as the healer, our healer. In 5 through 13 of Matthew, Jesus heals a centurion's servant from a distance, I might add. Jesus now is displaying his power and authority to heal through that distance, through time, and through space. He's able to do it. He didn't even have to walk in the house. So you don't have to have a literal visitation from Jesus Christ to be, be healed. The other Gospels tell us that, that this centurion's servant was, was on, his, on his deathbed. But this centurion servant said, listen, Jesus, I'm a man of authority. I have, I have authority over this one, and I tell him to go, and he goes. I tell this one to come, and he comes. He says, all you've got to do is, is, you know, I'm not worthy for you to come under my roof. Just say the word, and I know you will be healed. Do you see faith in that? Jesus saw faith that just blew his mind. Can you imagine blowing the mind of Almighty God? Wow, this guy had a lot of faith. And that centurion was his servant was healed. And this centurion obviously had compassion and love for his servant. He wasn't just saying this because he wanted to get more hands out into the field to do whatever he wanted for them. So what is Jesus doing here? He's Jeho- He's actually IDing himself as Jehovah Shammah, the Lord who is there. Even though he wasn't there, he was there. And he healed the servant from a distance, through time, through space. So he's IDing himself as the Word made flesh. In verses 14 through 17, Jesus heals Peter's mother-in-law. And he's displaying himself with power and authority over little things like a fever. It was a great fever, says, I believe it's Dr. Luke. And he has authority over big things, too. So don't think your, your need is, is not important to say, you know, to go to God with. He wants you to go to him with big things. He wants you to go with, to him with little things. So what's he displaying here? He's displaying Jehovah Nisi. I am your victory. I am your victory banner. He is your victory. So when you do get healed or he does this for you, be sure that you know that it's not you, it's him. He is your victory. He says in, in Isaiah, in two places, within two different chapters, you know, just chapters from one like 43 and 48, he says, I will share my glory with nobody. That's why Satan, or Lucifer, was thrown out of heaven and became Satan, as we know it. Through And verses 18 through 22, Jesus tests his disciples. He's displaying himself as, as, as IDing himself, I should say, as the shepherd of Israel. He said to the men that wanted to follow him, he says, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. And then he said, you follow me and let the dead bury their dead. You know, he was saying to you, these people out there 
that think they're, they're, they're alive, they're really dead. Not just physically dead, but they're dead in their spirit, and their spirit needs to come alive. He's saying to the, to the disciples, you know, as, as he's testing them, saying, I'm Jehovah Rapha, the Lord, my shepherd. He is their shepherd. He's leading them all these years that he has been with them, three and a half minimum. Verses 23 through 27, and I expounded on all these as we went through this chapter, but verses 23 through 27, we see his fifth miracle. Jesus displays his control, his power, his authority over creation itself. Even creation hears his voice. Remember, there was a rough sea. There was a rough sea, and all the five of the disciples were fishermen. This scared the living daylights out of them. This storm was so big, they knew they were going to perish. So they run to a carpenter and tell him. And he rebukes the wind and the sea, and it became perfectly still. I don't know if you've ever seen that, but I've been out on some big lakes in the ocean, and, and, and the waves are, you know, thrown all over the place, wild waves. And uh, all of a sudden, they became, all he did was speak, and they became perfectly still. Now, you know as well as I do, things just don't calm down that fast in, this, in the world. He displayed his power over creation because he is the Lord of creation. He's, he's identifying himself as the Lord of creation. We see Jehovah Shalom here. The Lord is their peace. He went to them for peace because they thought they were going to die. You know, John, in chapter 1, I'm going to read it to you because I don't want to get it out of place and I want you to see every single verse in it. John chapter 1. In the beginning, starts out, in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God. Listen to this. He was in the beginning with God. Is there any doubt of that? All, all things came into being by him and apart from him, nothing came into being that has come into being. This is saying that Jesus is the creator. So why did the wind and the sea obey him? Because he was the creator of the wind and the sea. He just rebuked them, IDing himself as the Lord of creation. The Lord of creation. Who is this man, says the disciples in the boat. They've been on the water all their lives. Five of them, career fishermen. And they knew they were doomed. And all Jesus did was speak a word or two, be still. And boom, it was still. So they asked themselves a question, who is this man? I hope you got an idea now who Jesus is, those over the Internet and those even here today. I hope you understand now who is this man. He just healed leprosy that nobody's ever healed a leper before, except Naaman was healed by Elisha, but he didn't even touch him. He wouldn't even go see him. He just told Naaman, the Syrian army general, to go dip himself in the Jordan seven times. He wasn't a Jew. 
So therefore, he didn't have to fulfill the sacrifice. So he didn't. He just told his king, I'm never going to sacrifice to your God again. I'm going to find a sacrifice to the God of Israel. Nobody's ever healed. Even the scribes, Jesus told the leprosy, the leper to go to the scribes and Pharisees and offer the sacrifice. And they had to get the scrolls out to find out how they do that because it's never been done before. They should have ID'd him right there. He healed leprosy, and leprosy in those days was, was uh, is a picture of sin. Leprosy rots you from the inside out to the point where your fingers will fall off, your ears will fall off. And that's what sin does. Let me read it to you in James, 4, James 1, verse 14. But each one of us is tempted when he's carried away and enticed by his own lust. Then when lust is conceived, it brings forth sin. And when sin is accomplished, it brings forth death. You see the spiral downward. Same thing with leprosy. It's a picture of sin. And he's just ID'd himself. I am the Lord that heals thee, Jehovah Rapha. And all these other ones are the same thing, displaying himself as who he really is, to whom they knew. In chapter 6, uh, chapter 8 here, verses 28 through 34, we see Jesus is casting out demons. Matthew tells us that there are two demoniacs. The other Gospels, you know, Luke and Mark, tell us there was one demoniac. A lot of people say, oh, look at this, look at this. The scriptures aren't true. There's an error here. No, it isn't an error. Just one is more descriptive than the other. Just like you're on trial for murder. This person over here saw you you pick out the gun, okay? And you can make an assumption that he shot the other person. But this one over here said, I saw him pull the trigger. So you see more information is added onto this. So Matthew's gospel has more information than Mark or Luke. And you know why, too? Because Matthew would have been an eyewitness. Luke and Mark were not eyewitnesses of this. They were writing down what was given to them. And it is scripture, or it wouldn't be in the canon of scripture. It is true. Gee, you know, we're told there's two demoniacs here. Obviously, one was more prominent or more dominant than the other. Or one, you just did all the talking. But there were two demoniacs there. Jesus is going to display his authority over power, over power and authority over demons. To, you know, what's he doing? He's identifying himself as Jehovah Makadesh, the Lord who sanctifies. He's going to sanctify these two demoniacs. We're told in this chapter that there was a, a bunch of, uh, of pigs, okay? But I believe it's Luke or Mark tells us that there were 2,000 of them. That's a pretty big herd. That's a pretty big herd. There's 2,000 demons. He's setting these two demoniacs apart for salvation to go out and preach the gospel. He, at the end of this, you remember the one, one demoniac said, Lord, I'll follow you anywhere. And Jesus said, no, you go home and you show yourself to the people uh, the great things that God has done for you. So he wanted them to get out there and preach the gospel that anybody possessed with a demon can be delivered from them. There are a lot of preachers today, I hate to put it out this way, but it's got to be done because God didn't put the gifts of the Spirit in the Bible for just for us something to look at and to add more words to the pages. He did it because it's true. 
Some preachers today said deliverance says, they say deliverance has little to do with demonic forces. I, do, I, do, I do disagree with that immensely. Scriptures are very clear. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood. It's against rulers and powers and spiritual forces of wickedness, even in a heavenly place. All they're doing is slapping a Band-Aid on it. Band-Aids are nice, but it's only temporary. Jesus goes for the eternal, which he always does. He wants them to be healed eternally. He wants the root. He's went for the root of the problem. The root of the problem is that they were demon-possessed. And he went for the root. He didn't just slap a Band-Aid on it. And we need to do that in the Christian church today. Why does why the Bible say that, you know, these signs accompany those who believe in my name, and in my name they'll cast out demons? Okay? Why? Because you can cast out demons in Jesus' name. You've got other scriptures that you can back it up with. 10, Luke 10, 10 um, 19. That, that you have power and authority to tread upon serpents and scorpions and all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. When I was in the book of Acts just recently before Thanksgiving, we saw that Paul was bitten by a viper on Malta. He just shook it off into the fire. The natives were ready for him to die, but he didn't die. And they said, well, he must be, he must be a god then, you know. So they, they started listening to him, and God gives Paul a platform from which to preach from. So when they saw that that viper had no effect on him, then they said, I'm going to listen to this guy. He must be from God, kind of like what Nicodemus said. I know you're from God, or you wouldn't be able to do these things. And then Jesus told him he must be born again. See, he's dead. These demoniacs were dead. They were alive physically, but dead spiritually. And Jesus came there to wake them up. So he rebukes the demons and goes to the root. He doesn't slap on just a Band-Aid. The weed. You know, if you pull your weed in the yard, we have a, a man here that works for Hewlett. <laughs> You know, and he tells me, you can pull the weeds out. You have to pull them out by the root. Or it's, you don't do any good. You just cut it off. It's going to come back. But if you go for the root, most of the time, you don't stop. That's it. It's dead right there. And that's what Jesus is doing, going for the root. Verse, um, verse 1, when I go to verse 1, Okay, let me read it. And when he had come to the other side, I'm sorry, this is not verse 1, it's verse 28, okay, into the country of the Gadarenes. I want you to notice this is not Gadara. And even here we have a little discrepancy, and I'm going to address it here shortly. This is not Gadara, okay? Gadara is about 10, 15 miles south of the Sea of Galilee, and it's more east. So there's no water there. So it can't be Gadara. It's, it's, and Mark, Mark, Matthew says it's Gadarenes, but Mark and Luke say it's Gerasenes. I forget how to say that. But they all have the same picture. Matthew, Mark, and Luke are actually 
adding description to it, and it's all, all pretty much the same. Matthew says in 8.32, there's a bunch of pigs there. Matthew also says there's two men. And he tells, talks about the demons that tormented them. Okay, and Mark says they're swine. Their name is Legion. Okay, and they have the same statements from the, 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 the demons that speak. And then Luke 8 says, you know, it's the Gerardessenes, opposite of Galilee, which is on the east side of the Lake of Galilee, right about in the middle. He tells us that these guys were naked, they were living in the tombs, and their name was Legion also, and they came to torment, you know, they told, said that Jesus was coming to torment them. There were swine, and they're having the same statements. This is the same situation as far as I'm concerned. Matthew, of course, you know, would have been the, the main guy. He would have experienced this, where Mark and Luke are just writing about it. So it looks like, it looks like Matthew is, is kind of wrong here. But I don't know. I've been on mission trips, many mission trips. And we went from city to city to city. And I can tell you, I get them mixed up. And it can't happen that way. But that's why the other Gospels were written, to clarify things. It's not a discrepancy. Listen. Luke chapter 8. Verse 26 tells us that these that, that demons know that they're doomed. And demons know that Jesus is the Son of God. We can get from this. The two demon-possessed men, we, as, we assume there's only one because when we read Luke and Mark, but there are two. There's no doubt about it. Matthew just clarified it. There's two different testimonies by three different authors, which I just told you about. Even when I was back in my hometown of Pennsylvania, we went from place to place, house to house, preaching the gospel. Some things great happened. People were healed. People were delivered. And sometimes I can't remember what city it was. It's not a big deal. We're human. Imagine the scene here. They just caught. They just go, we're in the boat. Jesus calms the wind and the sea. They're asking themselves, who is this guy? Okay? They get to the other side. Now, they're in a desolate area all of a sudden. There's tombs and graveyards. A lot of people here probably don't like to go through graveyards. It's a scary place for a lot of people. There's cliffs overhead with caves in them, most likely where these, these demoniacs would have lived. These men were exceedingly violent. No one would even go there. But they didn't scare Jesus. Did you notice that? He didn't get scared at all. He knew who they were and what he was going to do with them. That shows you that he knows he has power and authority over this, over them, and also these demons are going to demonstrate that also. Mark and Luke tell us that they had supernatural strength, these, these demoniacs. They would break chains. They could not be tamed, tells us in Mark and Luke. They would howl day and night even. They would cut themselves with rocks. And at least one of them was naked. 
You know, one time I was preaching here, we weren't even in the full church yet. We, the wall was still there, and I was preaching. And there's a guy came to our church service, and he was from Boston. No, Maine or Boston? And I was preaching on I guess, sim- similar subject to this, and, and, and he wanted to, you know, he came up to me after the service. He rolled up his sleeves, and he had all kind of gashes on his arms. And he had recently accepted the Lord in our church. He came with his sister and brother-in-law to this church. He was here for quite a while after he started cutting himself. And he says to me, Pastor Joe, I had no idea that was a demonic, you know, that was demonic. I cut myself like that. And, I, and we prayed over him, and, and he was delivered from it. That's what devils do. Listen, the devils, whether he's possessing you or or whether he's just trying to, to get a stronghold on you, he still wants you dead. John 10.10 10 says, the, the devil comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy, but I came that you might have life and have it abundantly. And I tell everybody, the devil came to kill, to steal, and to destroy, but Jesus took away, this is before the cross, Jesus took away his authority to kill. He has no more authority to kill you. You have been given your power back, and you need to take the power, you know, of God and, and come against any demonic force of wickedness, whether it be big or small. There was another guy, so it was the same guy, I believe months or years later, he had a bash back again. He started drinking and doing drugs, and his sister called me. I went over to the house. He's sitting in a chair. I said, you know, you just picked up some of the, your old demons again. I put my finger on hand on his head, and he just flew backwards in the chair. And he stayed there and wouldn't talk for minutes, it seemed like. But then again, you know, he, he didn't make it. And he just kept getting worse and worse and worse. You can't slap a Band-Aid on. You need to go for the root. We went for the root. It worked for a while until he willingly walked back into the mess that he was already in. Verse 29, let me read it. And behold, they cried out, saying, What do we have to do with you, Son of God? Have you come to torment us before the time? Here's two questions here. What have we to do with you? And have you come to torment us before the time? Notice that these demons would question one, you know, what have we to do with you, Son of God? They immediately have recognized who Jesus is. They immediately recognize. But you remember the disciples' question in the boat, the prior verses? Who is this man? You get here. Demons answer the question for you. You want to know who Jesus is? Demons just answered it because they know Jesus. They were holy angels at one time. You remember that. They obviously know, obviously knew the Son of God because they even address him here as the Son of God. The demons answer, we know who you are. You're the Son of God. How come demons can recognize that, the, that Jesus is the Son of God, but, but, but the world can't? They've been blinded by the devil. 
Notice who's in control here. Jesus didn't have to say a word. They already know they're, they're on their way out. They already know it. They already, Jesus obviously has pro, proclaimed his authority in the spiritual realm over them maybe centuries ago. Even in Daniel chapter 7, you see how the Son of Man comes riding in on a cloud. I call that chapter the War of All, the War of All Ages. And here the, the horns are screaming and making great boasts and blasphemy against the Ancient of Days. And here comes the Son of Man riding in on a cloud. And all dominion is given to him. You see that war going on, even in, even in, the, in Daniel chapter 7. I tell you, you know, man didn't have authority over devils in the Old Testament. Didn't have authority at all. There's only like 15 times I mentioned that, that demons are even mentioned in, in the Old Testament. And 12 of them are in Job. And then there's the time when Daniel was, or David was told to number Israel and Satan provoked him. There were times like that. And even, you know, um, but after the cross, Jesus defeated the enemy. He made an open spectacle of him, triumphing over him at the cross, which was a fulfillment of Daniel ch or Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. The seed of the woman will uh, crush Satan's skull and crush Satan's will bruise his heel. It's just a fulfillment. These demons know they got thrown out of heaven. If Satan had control, it would have been God that was thrown out of heaven. But it isn't. And we know that. There is no opposite. God has no opposite. Uh, Satan is a created being. He's a created being that has fallen from grace. Here's what, the, the, that's the scene. It's in a tomb. James says this. You believe there is one God. You do good. There's a lot of people out over the Internet and out in the world that they, they claim they know God. Well, you do good. You got it half done. But it's not done. But even the demons believe and they tremble. That's what James says. These demons were trembling. Jesus was there. They knew who he was. Look at, and even, you know, one of, the, one of the passages, Mark or Luke, says that this demoniac came running to Jesus. I believe that was the man saying, deliver me, deliver me. But then the demons had so much power, they began to speak. I know who you are. You're the Son of God. You come to torment us before the time. You know what that tells you? You come to torment us for another time. They know they're doomed. They know there's an end to their... their uh, their sin and sickness and disease and everything they've been doing to people. My question to you is, over the Internet and even here, do you believe? Do you really, really believe? Or do you just say you believe? Believe is a verb, and it demands action, as I always say. Do you tremble? I don't know about you, but many times when I'm in prayer or even reading the Bible, I begin to shake. Sometimes, most of the time, I'm there, praise God, this is beautiful, Lord. You, should, you just prove, prove yourself over and over and over again. Do you tremble? I remember when I was in Vietnam, I told you that I got a little Gideon Bible that big, and I'm reading it, and I'm going like this. Because somehow I knew. I wasn't saved. I knew this was God's Word. Do you tremble? Or you just sit that 
Bible on top of the TV and it collects two inches of dust by the end of the year. You know what? You can tell where spiritual people are spiritual or not if you go into their home and see their Bible on their coffee table and TV and just move it a little bit, see if there's a lot of dust over here. And you know where they've been or what they do. Do you Are you ready to bow down before the Lord Jesus Christ and admit that he is God? I have a feeling that the man was on his knees here. It doesn't say. It's an assumption. But I have a feeling the man was on his knees crying out, help me, Jesus, in his spirit. But these demons had control. Jesus, they know they're out of control now. They have no control. Jesus is here. They know that they must leave well, leave soon, because they are in the presence of Almighty God. Verse 30 and 31. And there was a distance from the herd of many swine, and demons began to entreat him, saying, If you are going to cast us out, send us into the herd of swine. Mark. 5.15, I alluded to it before. Mark 5.13, let me read it for you. And he gave them permission, and, and coming out, the unclean spirits entered the swine, and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the sea, about 2,000 of them. 2,000. I'm going to tell you what. They perished in the sea. I can tell you what, the, the fishes had a deviled ham banquet. They had a deviled ham banquet. I'll tell you, they were probably, this is fresh water now. They probably had to rot for a while before the, I don't think they have piranhas over there. It's mostly tilapia, if I remember right. It's fresh water fish. The fo <laughs> Here's the thing. Demons love to be materialized if they can. Even satisfied, they're even satisfied with swine. And even a pig knows I'm not going to mess with a devil. Unless you're a believer, you and you have authority over them. You can tell them to take a hike, and they will have to take a hike. You have to believe it. And it is true. Either that or Jesus was lying. And he isn't a liar, as you well know. So we need to take him for the truth. They love to materialize. I remember one time we were in Canada house casting out a demon when we cast I laid my I, I had my hands out towards a person some ladies over here had their hands out toward the person and I re we rebuked the devil I think it was me talking I'm not even sure it doesn't matter but I remember saying this don't you dare you come out of her and don't you dare touch that goldfish she had goldfish and I didn't want them in there because they love to uh, materialize in any kind of a host and you know what? Some Christians out there still mess with demonic forces with Ouija boards, witchcraft, tarot cards, crystals, uh, horoscopes, and a whole bunch of other things. They uh, practice New Age. You need to get out of that because the, the, the entity behind it, under it, and all through it is demonic. And don't say that, that, that you know, Demons aren't around. They are around. You can't just 
say there is no demons and pretend like there aren't any. You have to know your enemy. You have to know how you, he gets defeated, which he knows he gets defeated by the very words of God. Jesus taught us in Matthew chapter 4 when he was brought into the wilderness and the devil quoted him scriptures out of context and he said, but it is written. And you have to know the word. Somebody said to me once, um, well, and it's even scripture, the truth will set you free. But if you don't know the truth, you, won't, you can't be set free. If you don't know that Jesus delivered you from, from demonic, and if you don't know that Jesus can heal you, then you, it's, it's the truth that you know that will heal you. It's the truth you know that will heal you. So if you don't know the truth, you've got to get into the Word of God and, and learn the truth. And then you will find out that witchcraft and Ouija boards and car tarot cards and horoscopes and New Age and crystals and all that stuff is not of God. You need to get rid of it because sooner or later, the enemy will try to claim you and you'll fall even into a deeper. And that's a, that's a shame. Jewish law here forbid the, the people to raise swine. They were obviously in a Gentile on the border of Judea, so it was probably a split mix of Jew and Gentiles in this area. But who was raising the swine? We don't know. We're not told. Were the Jews raising the swine for profit? Were these pigs owned by the Jews and hired out to the Gentiles to take care of them? We don't know. They considered the by Jews to be the marijuana growers we would call today here in, in the United States or in the world. These pig farmers were just like marijuana farmers today, and we want to get rid of them. The government tries to get rid of them. We need to get rid of them. Verse 32, and he said to them, go. New American Standard says two words, be gone. Okay, Jesus didn't have to, you know, pull a big sword with blood all over it, flashing. He just declared the word of God, which is a sword. It's a double two-edged sword. We know that the cherubim carry a double-edged sword with flames that turns in every direction, I believe. Unbelievable. You know, the day Jesus said, go, they went. I wouldn't doubt if there was a bunch of angels around with swords in their hands and those demons can see into the spiritual world. And they said, well, we got to get out of here. We got to get out of here. And immediately, listen, the, when the demons left, immediately those pigs began to run down a hill into the, into the sea and perished there. Suddenly, it happens instantaneously. But the simplicity of casting out a demon, Jesus just exercised for us because if, if his name is Legion, which we know that he is, okay, because Jesus believed it. I know that demons are liars. Everything that comes out of their mouth is a lie. Obviously, Jesus believed it because he accepted him as Legion, and he sent them to go. And I don't know if you know it, but a Roman Legion is 6,000 demons, 6,000 soldiers. So that means three demons per pig. They get rid of them right away. They've got to run. They'd rather die than deal with a demon. 
Jesus just says, go with the Word of God. There's no begging. There's no cotton to three. One, two, three. It's just go. There's no more conversation. It's done. Jesus has totally demonstrated his power and his authority and has identification as to who he is over the underworld. Philippians chapter 2. I'm going to start in the 8th verse, I believe. Philippians chapter 2, 8th verse. And being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedience to the point of death, and even death on a cross. Therefore also God highly exalted him and bestowed upon him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee would bow, of those who are in heaven, of those on the earth, and of those under the earth, and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Listen, every knee is going to bow that's in heaven, on earth, and in the underworld, they're going to bow to Jesus, because he has authority over them. He defeated the enemy at the cross. Even J. Vernon McGee, I was shocked at this. I checked a lot of my information with different commentaries. J. Vernon McGee says this. Many people are demon-possessed and demonically oppressed today. Many, not some, many. Today, there are more and more manifestations of that which is demonic. This is J. Vernon McGee. You know he's been gone many years, but he still preaches on the radio. Listen, many people today, even even the Christian church, don't want to deal with it. But it has to be done. You are a warrior for Christ. And warriors expel the enemy. And you have to know your enemy how to expel them. Demons have today in this world, and you know what's going on, Demons have infiltrated music. They've infiltrated martial arts. They've infiltrated books and schools and their curriculum. Even the piano bars, if you go out to have a nice dinner with your, your wife or your spouse, you know, he's, he's infiltrated all this. While you're sitting there eating dinner, you go, these demonic words are coming in. You can go to Walmart. And listen to, to uh, the music on a thing. A lot of it's just demonic. It's coming into your mind. We don't even know it. Even, you know, they infiltrate, uh, infiltrated people's dance. Now they have sexual dances. You know that. I tell everybody, a woman does two things. She, address, she dresses herself to adorn her body, or she dresses herself to adorn her face. And if she dresses to adorn her face, you'll know where her spirituality is a little bit. And I don't, sorry, ladies, if I offended you, but we need to, you know, God, you actually, even the scriptures tell you that you can make a man lust over you and sin because the way you dress. Devils have even infiltrated uh, Christian churches and ministries today and into the homes. I, don't tell, I can't tell you how many homes I've went to and have anoint 
anointed all the doors and the windows and prayed over them over the years, many. I remember one time over 30 years ago, it would have been about 35 years ago, you know, we went into a house and a guy had just got saved and the guy owned four or five pornographic bookstores in Pittsburgh. And we came over to his house. I never met the guy before. And here, when I walked into the house, him and I knew each other. He actually worked for the state of Pennsylvania where I worked. He was in a different department, but I knew him at the snack bar and stuff like that. So that immediately opened the door for us to preach the gospel. He got saved. His girlfriend got saved. We anointed the house. And when we came back the next week, or they called us, I don't remember how it happened, but all the windows were broken from the inside out in his house as the demons had to leave. And I know this is probably getting too deep for somebody. I better shut up, <laughs> you know. But I'm telling you, these things happen. Believe me, I wouldn't say it if I didn't experience it myself. It's not all about that. We serve God. I'm not... I'm not, I'm not trying, somebody's always talking about demonic forces, but I am trying to get the church to realize that you are a soldier of Christ and soldiers possess. They don't let themselves be possessed. They possess. That's what Daniel chapter 7 says. God said in the end of that chapter, he says, he judgment comes from the throne over the horns that were boasting blasphemy. He says, I rule in favor of the saints, and it's time for them to possess the kingdom. That means go forth and bring the kingdom. That's what Matt and Brett does and Nona does. They go and possess the kingdom for the Lord Jesus Christ. Because the Lord defeated the devil at the cross, you have authority over them, thing, uh, those demons. Listen to this, Colossians. Chapter 2 and verse 14. Let me pull it up. I'm going to read it. You know these verses. When, when you're confronted with evil forces like Jesus was confronted here, you know, since he is the Word of God, he didn't even really have to quote the Word of God. He is the Word of God. He just said go. But you, here's what it says to do. It says in verse Colossians 2, 14 and 15. Having canceled out, this is Jesus, having canceled out the certificate of death consisting of degrees against us and which is hostile to us, he has taken it out of the way and having nailed it to the cross. And when he disarmed, listen to this, he disarmed the rulers and the authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them through, the, through him. I think some versions say the cross. Listen. This verse tells you the devil has already been defeated. Just claim it and, and move. I quoted Luke 10, 19 before. Behold, I give you authority to tread upon serpents and scorpions and all the power of the enemy, not a little, all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Know that when you fight a demonic force, he has no authority to hurt you. If you claim and know the word of God. You must know these verses. You must know Isaiah 54, 7, 17. No weapon formed against you is going to prosper. If anyone accuses you in judgment, you have the authority to condemn. The word accused there could be interchanged with the devil. That he, The devil would be better named the accuser in the Bible, actually. 
No weapon formed against you will prosper. And every tongue in, that accuses you in judgment, that means it's the devil accusing you because there's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Okay? Then you have the authority to condemn them. You have the authority to condemn them. Even Michael, when Satan wanted the body of, of Moses, all Michael said, the archangel Michael said was, the Lord rebuke you, Satan. And then you know the verses. Quote the verses. Greater is he that's in you than he is in the world. 1 John 4, 4. You know that one. How about 2 Corinthians 10, 4 and 5? You know, the weapons of our warfare, they're not carnal. They're not carnal weapons. They're powerful. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're mighty through God. They pull down strongholds of demonic strongholds and cast down imaginations and everything that exalts itself against God and brings into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. You've got to know these verses. It's the scriptures that you know that will set you free. Verses 33 34. And the herdsmen ran away and went to the city and reported everything, including the incident of the demoniacs. And behold, the whole city came out to meet Jesus. You would think that these people would come out and say, Thank you, Jesus. We can now go by the road where these demoniacs were. Oh, thank you, Jesus. These are people, these are people that you love. You know, they're delivered, they're healed, they're saved. Thank you, Jesus. But no, they say, We don't want you here. Go. Get out of our land. They see the guy in his right mind. They see these two guys in their right mind, and, and they, 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 they could care less. Where's the compassion? I tell you what, I've seen people preach and teach that have absolutely no compassion. If you don't have compassion, I'd quit teaching or get compassion. You have to have compassion for those that you're speaking to, those that you're praying with. You don't say, oh, I prayed for this 15 times. No, you pray again. Pray without ceasing. Ask, continue to ask, continue to knock, continue to, to seek. You would think that they, they felt safe. But no, verse 34 says, And behold, the whole city, listen, the whole city came out to meet Jesus, and when they saw they entreated him, or they asked him to leave the region. Hard-hearted businessmen. That's what we're facing here. Hard-hearted businessmen, a business city. Why didn't they bring the sick to be healed? Why didn't they, what if the guy's mother was sick, and they, they, they kicked Jesus out of the region instead of coming, Jesus, come home and heal my mother-in-law or my mother. No, hard-heartedness. These, these people probably could tolerate the name of Jesus, but if he hits their pocketbook, forget it. I'll tell you what, you're better off putting your money into the kingdom of God, supporting missionaries and evangelists, than you are, you know, uh, you're saving your money in the bank account for a rainy day. Instead, they wanted him to leave. Jesus is a gentleman, as you well know. He left. He will not go where he's not wanted. That's why you, over the Internet, and you here today, have to ask him to come into your heart. He stands at the door and knocks. You know Revelation 3.10. He stands at the door and knocks. If any man would open the door, he would come in with him, he would sup with him, and you with him. 
Sup with you and you with him. Listen, you've got to ask him in. You remember the painting that's on the wall and it used to be the Christian bookstores. There ain't no more around. All the bookstores have been driven out of business. I don't know if you know it, but the last bookstore up on Okeechobee Boulevard was taken out of business by William Flint, the, uh, the, the author of the Hustler magazine. He just, everywhere they went, he bought the buildings and just finally they just gave up. That's what the devil does. He don't want the word of God to get out there. Those pictures on the wall in those Christian bookstores was a picture of Jesus standing out, knocking on a door. But you notice if you look strangely at the picture, you notice there was no doorknob on the door where Jesus could grab it and walk in. No, you have to be invited in. These people were saying, get lost. I don't want you. What a horrible thing to do. When God pronounced judgment upon Cain for killing Abel, Cain says in chapter 4 of Genesis, verse 13, he says, my punishment is too great to bear. And then the 16th verse says that Cain went out from the presence of the Lord. I'm going to tell you what, anybody who goes out from the presence of the Lord will be sorry unless you bow your knee before Jesus Christ, him crucified, dead, buried, and risen. What a horrible thing. That's the worst thing you can do. You know how many people hear the gospel every day and they walk out from the presence of the Lord? I did it myself for a period of time. You need to ask him in. He's not going to stay where he's not wanted. If you don't want him, he'll just leave, just like he did in this city. They told him to leave. He wasn't wanted. He left. That's why John, when he wrote his gospel, he was clarifying a lot of the synoptic gospels, which is Matthew, Mark, and Luke. They're similar. John corrected a lot of things. That's why in the first chapter, he said on the 12th verse, but as many as received him, to them he gave you the right to become a child of God even to those who will believe on his name. Wow. Wow. Demons know him from this passage. They know him, but they're not saved. They believe in him because they saw him, but they're not saved. If you believe in God, great. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. So at least you know God. But he who comes to God must know that he is. And he's a rewarder of those who, who come to him. Listen, you have to go beyond, you know, this. It's not just believe. You believe there's one God? Yes. Study the scriptures. You'll find out there is one God in three persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Starts out in verse 1 of chapter Genesis 1, verse 1. In the beginning, Elohim. That's the name of God in the plural sense. In chapter 2, let us, let us make man in our image. There's a person, you know, a plural pronoun. God is three. He's body, soul, spirit, says 1 Thessalonians 5.23. We're body, soul, spirit because we're made in the likeness of man. 1 Thessalonians 5.23. But may God sanctify you completely or wholly, that your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved complete until the coming of Christ. You're a spiritual being. You have to go beyond believing is one. You know, God is one. That You do great. You believe in God, but you have to know Jesus because God tells us that 
There's no other way under heaven except through Christ Jesus alone. So if you know him and you, you were trembling through any of this over the Internet or even here, if you, if you have found yourself trembling during any time of this message, that's the Holy Spirit trying to convict you that you need to do something about knowing Jesus. So you need to just do what, don't be like Cain and go out from the presence of the Lord. You know what you need to do? You need to get on your knees with all of your heart, confess that Jesus is Lord, confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. Not your head, but your heart, because your heart will actually cause you to follow after him, chase after him, fall in love with him, read about him, and love on him all the days of your life. If you don't have that going on in your life, you might want to evaluate and test yourself to see if you really are a Christian. I'll let that weigh on you for a while. But listen, if you don't know Christ as your Savior over, over the Internet, listen, even the demons believe. But they believe because they saw. You believe because you have faith. And by grace, you are saved through faith. Not as you, a gift of you, not as of, you, of yourself, but it's a gift of God from, for you. So, if you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, I'm not going to go into a big, long prayer. You know what? You just got to call out to him with your heart. Confess with your mouth. Believe in your heart, not your head. Again, you will be saved. That's a promise from God, and he will always hear that prayer. Tell him the, the door's open, Jesus. Come in. Father, we thank you for your word today, Lord. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful words. I wish I could get to the depth of it, but it's impossible to know you in all your fullness because of how great thou art, Lord. Father, we give you this day. I pray in Jesus' name that you continue to speak to everyone that listens to this message, whether they be here over the Internet or listen to a tape or a CD or whatever down the road. In Jesus' name, Father, glory be to Christ Jesus that you might be glorified. Amen and amen. God bless you, church. I love you all.